The Sacred Changemakers podcast is supported by Coaches Business School, helping the world's most caring coaches build a purpose-driven and profitable business that makes a meaningful impact in our world. Check out their unique frameworks and methods to help you transform and grow your business. Now is the time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs. You can do well in business and do good, and together we can make a meaningful difference. Find out more at coachesbusinessschool.com. Hey there, and welcome back to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. I hope life is treating you well. Today, I'd like to introduce you to our guest, John Hibbs, from the beautiful island of Guernsey in the English Channel. Now, John is the founder and CEO of Coefficient, a dynamic internet SaaS company that measures organizational performance from the human perspective. John has got clients all over the world, and he is on something of a noble mission to make a positive impact in the world by helping businesses to thrive whilst also creating positive ripples in our local communities. So in today's conversation, we're going to explore a very simple idea, how to create more money, surround yourself with people that you love, and make the world a better place. And yes, I do ask John if this is possible. (laughs) This was the impetus, you see, that led John to begin Coefficient, because as he says, people are at the center of our organizations. They are the ones driving results. It is the people who give us the greatest chance of success in business as long as we hear what they have to say. So John is passionate about giving people a voice that leaders can hear, understand, and then use that information to make better decisions in business, perhaps even decisions that work for everyone. So like I said, it's a very simple idea, but more challenging to implement and do it well, as anyone who has worked in corporate life, I am guessing, knows only too well. So John shares his perspective on business performance, and he gives us insights into how we can track and measure performance in the right ways. Plus, he freely shares the benefit of his experience and the major problems that he sees leaders facing today. Now, I found this to be such an interesting conversation about business and leadership and how we can truly move to fulfill our potential individually and collectively when we don't just follow what we've always done, but look instead for new, innovative and ultimately human ways to engage the people within our businesses. So without further ado, let me introduce you to John Hibbs. Hey, John, welcome to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. So excited to speak to you today. I'm excited to be here. Thank you very much for having me, Jane. Uh, as you know, I'm a big fan of yours, so I'm delighted to be here. <laughs> well, I'm a big fan of yours too. I can't wait to introduce you to our audience here at Sacred Changemakers. So they've just heard your professional bio, okay. And one of the things that we love to do here at Sacred Changemakers is kind of get beneath that that professional veneer a little bit. And so I'd love to ask you a little bit about, you know, who's the real life human behind the bio? Who's here? Uh, well, thank you for saying that. I've got a professional veneer. That's very kind. Of um, <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> so, you know, look, I'm just a, a a normal human being, like everybody else, with hopes and desires and 
uh, in embarrassing past in places and I've had some successes and some failures. Um, I was I was born and raised in Guernsey, which is an island in the English Channel, um, actually closer to France than it is to Guernsey. I had a pretty idyllic childhood. Guernsey is a very safe place to be. I had wonderful parents that loved me very much. So that was you know, very, very lucky. Not not everyone can be as lucky as that. Um, and um, never, never really quite fitted in to school very well. Um, I, 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 school teaches you how to do things, and I was much more interested in in why things happened. And I remember being incredibly frustrated when I was younger because um, I didn't want to be taught how to do maths or anything like that. I wanted to know why. And and I found the world a very confusing place, really confusing. Like, how did it all kind of piece together? And um, it's taken me about 48 years to um, to just get to a point where I understand the world enough in a conceptual way to sleep at night without worrying about it. Um, not that I'm an expert on any of it at all but um yeah sort of um realizing things like money is just a human construct and doesn't really exist um businesses are the same nations are the same that's a really important things in life we've just made up that help bind communities and people together like you know trust and love and friendship they're not real things um they're things that we we collectively believe in that enable our societies to flourish um so but apart from that you're just a very normal guy very normal guy you know got a couple of teenage kids who um i love especially when they're asleep and um <laughs> yeah here i am talking to you <laughs> it's so funny because one of the first words you said like i'm a really normal guy and i thought wow we could have like a few hours on that like what's normal <laughs> um well, but- yeah you know, but I love the way that you've kind of opened up this conversation because there's, I don't know, there's there's a humbleness to you that I really admire. There's something that I don't know what it is about you that's just very humble in a way. And yet, you know, you are in business and yet you do present as this this normal guy, but sometimes your your beliefs and your views and what I've learned about you over the last couple of months since we first met, you know, you have some quite unusual approaches to the world. So I wonder if, you know, as a child, <clears throat> when you were already thinking in different ways to other people, how has that actually informed, like, who you are today? Because just asking that question of not just like how we do things, but why we do things mm, actually mm. sets up a very different relationship with life, I, I might suggest. Yeah, so, well, th- thank you for that. That's a lovely compliments you're, pay- you're paying me. Um, the um, th- And there's no real quick and easy pithy answer to that, I guess. But you take from life, don't you? All the experiences and the and the things that have happened to you, and the sometimes the 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 hurt and the mistrust where you see things have have happened. And I've always thought it's very easy to lose trust in society. But that's not the society I want to live in. I've I've got these um, ideas about how actually, if we pay things forwards, if we're kind to each other, these things spiral around. And actually, it's not you know selflessly being ever selflessly being kind to other people because 
the idea is that that person is then kind to that person and that person and then it, it comes back to you um so i've always had a sort of a quite a strong moral compass i think which has grown stronger as i've got older um and having kids obviously changes things and but it's not a completely selfless point of view um selfish point of view sorry because because these things should spread around and that's the kind of the world i want to live in i think a lot about um death as well we're not but not in a morbid way but um you know we we all of us have effectively quite a very short time on this planet don't we and yeah. um and we're all human beings okay so like i've got i can get angry and cross and there's things that i've done that i'm embarrassed about and um i make mistakes constantly um and i can feel nervous and i can get sick and uh, and just like all of us um we try to hide those things don't we we never publicly mm. talk about them but they're exactly we're, we're human beings exactly like all of the great people that have shaped the world that we now inhabit so uh, i'm just looking around my house now like so i mean like something as simple as a light bulb we don't even take mm. any notice of that but think about the complexities of everything that's come together to give us light at night i mean it's phenomenal like how how lucky that is and but all the people that you know designed electricity built all the infrastructure of the power created the light bulb etc etc they're all just people like you and me you know they're not, they're not mega brains they're just human beings right so they've worked tirelessly to create a better world we come at the end of that amazing legacy um and isn't it our turn to try to to do the same thing we're, we're only here for a short period of time it's our choice we can either take from the world or we can give as well give give back and i would love to be an old man and and think to myself you know what i have made a little bit of a positive difference to my group around me i'm not suggesting one for one moment that i'm going to change the world that's ridiculous but can i change it enough for the people close to me so that their lives are slightly better i hope so um because if i can then maybe they'll be encouraged to change the world slightly better for, for their group of people and their group of people and out it spreads. Mm, I love that because very often when we think about changing the world it feels like such a huge concept that it's it's out of reality for most of us because it's such a big like idea and we think well I can't be like Mother Teresa or so Gandhi or something like I'm just little old me. Yeah but, um so I don't think you should think like that. And I don't think you should think about changing the world in, you know, massive, big nationwide gestures. But so so in Guernsey, where I live, there's, there's a, this amazing thing we've got on the roads called filters. So we, a lot of time we don't have traffic lights. We have these things called filter in turn. And you just give way to the, the car on your right. And so, you know, these are two, two, two lines of traffic. One car goes, the next car goes, and one car goes, the next car goes. And it's a wonderful thing to witness because it's basically saying good morning after you, if you <laughs> and um it's a lovely way to sort of like set your day up and what you often find when you're out driving is if you let someone out of a side street i guarantee you most of the time that car that you let out will let someone else out as well in front and and these things definitely have a ripple effect so um you know yeah and it if you put yourself surround yourself with good people who are kind and doing the right thing and being polite to one another these things rub off on other people um and i know they do i've seen it so it's i don't think 
it's about big gestures. I think it's about millions of people being half a percent kinder or more thoughtful or just taking a breath before they um, attack back or, or whatever it may be. And I love it. And when I'm listening to you, I'm just like, it makes perfect sense. And yet often when we go out into the world, that's not the world we encounter. It's kind of something else out there. So it's amazing to me. There's a part of me that's listening to you speaking and thinking, it's amazing that this is unusual in places of the world. You know, it's not not everywhere is like what you're describing, Guernsey. Certainly some of the places I've lived in haven't been. Yeah. But I, I love that this is something you hold dear and something that's informing not just your life, but your work. So tell us about, because you talked about being an old man and looking back on your life and having made some contribution. So what is that? What's your intention around these small things that will make a difference and make your life more meaningful to live for you? So um, so I've always, because I didn't do very well, I I did okay at school, I was okay, but because it didn't really sort of suit me, um, neither did the corporate world. So um, I wasn't very good at being told what to do and stuck in a box. So running, starting and running businesses was really the only option for me. And I became very early on, um, I became fascinated with how businesses work rather than actually doing the work inside a business. And um, so businesses for me are an absolutely wonderful invention. They should be a win, 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 win vehicle, right? So um the owners of a business should should win and succeed because they can you know they set out to change the world in some way what they've done is they've looked at the world gone oh there's a human problem i think i can fix that and i'll fix that for my customers and i'm going to make some money by doing that i don't think we should shy away from the fact that businesses should make money i think it's essential that they do um, so they should be rewarded for that the staff should have um should should feel in, empowered and that they belong to that company, that they're doing something bigger than just themselves and they should enjoy what they're doing and be rewarded for it well. Um, the customers are obviously happy because you're fixing the problem that they want you to fix. But all of these people, right? So I talk about business, that's just a group of people. I talk about customers, that's another group of people. All of these people go home to their families, another groups of people. <laughs> groups of these families become communities. Um, and so... It should be come. Uh, the owners should succeed. The the workers should succeed. Um, the customers should be happy and should should succeed. It should be a better life for them. And the communities in which these organisations sit should should prosper as as well. And of course, let's not forget that um, when you make money, you pay. You can pay your staff, right, contributing to a family, but you get to pay taxes as well. And when you pay taxes, that goes towards contributing to our society, right? They're educating us looking after us when we can't look after ourselves and building the infrastructure for us to survive, um, just to thrive, sorry. And um, I know that we could probably discuss uh, what a good or not job the government's doing spending our tax money, but that's basically, you know, how it should work. Um, so with that in mind, the, the company that I run at the moment called Coefficient, which measures um, the organisational performance of companies, um, from the human perspective and what we do is we all companies will have disconnects with how their different groups are, are feeling and thinking about the, the organization and where we see those disconnects 
we often see things like poor communication, um, inefficiencies, staff turnover, loss of productivity, loss of loss of money. Coefficient is very good at highlighting those disconnects because if they're predictable, if we can ask the right questions in the right way to the right people, so that's what we do. And then we can we work with um, consultants and business coaches to come and help these companies um, to get them on track, ask the right questions, and close these gaps up because where we see that when these gaps are closed we see not only inefficiencies um uh, better better efficiencies and more productivity and therefore more money but we also see more coherent companies we see happier staff better engagement and of course all those staff go home to their families and, and that spreads out into the community so the the health of a business is very, very closely linked to the health of the community in which it sits and vice versa. Right. And, uh, you know, again, as I was listening to you there, I was hearing in a way, lots of problems that you're solving with coefficient, but what I'd love to hear you actually give voice to is, you know, what is the problem that you're solving? How would you articulate what that is i mean is there something that really rises up and you go this is the main problem that we're solving with coefficient and i guess it's got something to do with those disconnects that you're talking about yeah absolutely so i mean what we're businesses should be a force of good in the world and they're not are they so the, the gallup <laughs> Glo- the gallup global survey says that 79 percent of people are disengaged at work mm. i mean 79 percent. so that is Four out of five people are turning up to work just for a salary, not to do something they believe in, not to do something mm. they enjoy, um, you know, not to do something they're passionate about. And um, if we can change that, it's the largest wealth creation opportunity there is for, bus- for business to change that. But not just for business, but I think also for our, our communities. So, um, and we see a lot of things like trickle off the back of that. So imagine, you may have experienced this, lots of people have. Imagine going to work every day to a job you hate, mm-hmm. for, for a boss you hate. It's, it's soul destroying and it can really damage your mental well-being. And then you've got to go home and you, you, you just, you're not going to, you're carrying that negativity into your home and, and to your children and your spouse and your friends. Wow. I don't think it's often we think about our energy in that way um, and how, you know, how we're impacted by decisions we make, by choices we make, and how that has kind of like a snowball effect on people that are close to us. Well, a massive snowball effect. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know, um, and I was, you reminded me over the last sort of 10 minutes, 20 minutes or so, where we've been speaking, but I'm going to feel really empowered after this conversation because you're lovely to talk to. You know, you're <laughs> smiley and you pay me some compliments and I'm going to think, oh, James, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> um, and but you've done nothing more than just talk to me, really. You know, you haven't, mm. like, sort of given me anything, but what you've given me is, is or nothing tangible, but what you've given me is energy mm. and, you know, optimism. And, and, and these things filter and transfer. There's a... There's a a wonderful word I learned just recently, um, last couple of years or so, called skein. Skein, and it's a it's like a, a yarn of thread, but it also means an interconnected series of events. Mm-hmm. And it's just so true. Like, and if you think about 
you know, if you can transfer a little bit of positive energy to me, and I can transfer that little bit of positive, positive, positive energy to someone else. I mean, how amazing is that skein from you to me, to someone else, to someone else, to someone else, to someone else, mm. and around it goes. And um, if everybody did that, just a little bit more, and I don't think it needs to be a big shift, just a tiny little bit, then all the boats rise, don't they, on the same mm. time. Um, and, but the skein can be, you can think about businesses like skein. So there's a, a very definite chain of events from a business outcome to where the idea started originally and all of those processes in between you know so businesses let's let's say businesses want to make money and promote a better um feeling and community for their staff well you just that doesn't just happen right there are things that happen before that um and and ideas and and i've got a life scheme which has brought me to this point here like all the things that have happened in my life and so have you mm -hmm. and um and at this very moment, your thread and my thread are combined. And what happens when you combine two threads together? You a get tapestry. A, yeah, you get a rich tapestry. Or, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and but you get a stronger thread, don't you? And so when you get sort of great minds together, you all bring your skeins, and you can turn that into a nice uh, strong rope. You know, as I'm listening to you there, there was all kinds of things going through my mind. And I'm going to out myself because I'm probably going to project a little bit here as I talk to you. But as you were talking there, like I've worked a lot in organizational life in like culture and things, but I don't think I've ever thought about it. Right. As you were speaking then, what popped into my head was like the emotional texture, the emotional intention mm. of a business. And I've never thought of it in that way at all, because very often I, and as you know, with Sacred Changemakers, I take a stand against businesses that treat their people like machines mm -hmm. because it's yeah. almost like we've we've lost ourselves yeah. somehow in our professional lives. We've just like, we go to work and it's like, you know, the lights are on, but nobody's home. And yet as you were speaking, John, I could feel, right, so this is going to be really weird. It's like there's an inner flame inside. And what you're talking about is organic. It's natural. There's something primal in me that connected to your words that was like, yes, this is a place. This is a conversation that feels safe where I can be myself. I can express fully. Do you see? What I, and I was thinking about what does that feel like? that with work, like, and I look back on my career and I was thinking, yeah, there was times where I was, I was employed by the government, British government in the UK. Yeah. And I can remember in that early part of my career, this feeling of, oh, I've got to go to work today. I've got to set my alarm for 6am because I've got to get yeah. through all the traffic yeah. and I've got to be there. And it's like, again, though, it was like a dampening of this inner, I don't know, pilot light. I don't what it is but it's like there are places where I feel my flame like lighting up and getting bigger and there are places where I feel it being dampened down does that make any sense <laughs> yeah no, it makes perfect sense makes perfect sense um now so I don't think there's a business out there that isn't trying to make the world a better place for it for its customers right well, it's very good of you to say that because I think I might have a different perspective. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm I'm thinking about like tobacco companies <laughs> and 
uh, like the, the defense sector. But I mean, <laughs> even those people, even their customers have to, well, they're still buying their products, aren't they? But it's most companies, I think, are trying to make the world a better place yeah. for a group of customers, right? Now, if you can get yourself in the right company um, for something that you feel passionate about, it should be a hugely uplifting time. And okay, there's always going to be elements um, to that job that aren't going to float your boat, right? Because like, there's lots of stuff that we have to do that's a bit dull. But it's just a reframing of what you're doing mm. is yeah. is interesting. So can you contextualize? Can you be really clear on the purpose of, of why you're doing it? So coefficient, you know, we are trying to make the world a better place by improving business because we know that those people inside the business go home to their families every day and wouldn't it be great if we can make them feel slightly better at work so they're slightly better at home that would be amazing mm -hmm. but what we do is we issue surveys to cust customers we then analyze that data um, and it's basically just a lot of emails and texting and stuff uh, and 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 technical stuff that's kind of like what we do but if I talk about it in those terms of like, well, email a few people every day, it doesn't sound quite so enthralling, does it? No. Well, it's the process. We don't, we're not bothered yeah. about the process. We actually yeah. want the yeah. outcome, the gift at the end that comes from working with you. That's what yeah. we're searching for, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. Okay, John. So you're talking about measuring performance with your business coefficient. And I know you said like you've got to ask like the right questions at the right time, those kinds of things. But I guess there's quite a lot of kind of expertise that goes into that. So oh, yeah, what, yeah. what makes you kind of different from all the other kind of cultural questionnaires and 360s and stuff that are out there? Yeah, good question. So, um, so just to step back a bit, so one of the, the things that a lot of businesses do is say they have this group of people um, and that, like we said, they're, they're making their lives better for their customers. But what they're measuring uh, to define their success is a byproduct of that, which is money, um, which is great. Like, and as we know, it's important to measure money. But I always thought, well, I would, it wouldn't it be great to have like an earlier warning system um, from the people who know the business absolutely the best um i was just never clever enough to to design that but luckily jane i've got very clever friends <laughs> and um my my very clever friends wanted to come and and work with me so um one of the things that we do a lot of um survey questions out there say give us your data and the data will fix everything mm. um and of course it doesn't because all data can do is is tell you what's going on at the moment. So, if you think about um, you go you go and plug yourself into an MRI scanner, it doesn't tell you what to do in the future. It just says, yeah, well, we've had a look, and you you know your brain's there, and your heart's working, and you know you've got this gammy leg, um, but you still need a doctor or a physician to tell you what you should do to fix a problem and some sort of human analysis. Um, so we're very clear on about that. So the co coefficient does not fix everything. What it does is it moves you towards the next set of better questions. And this is why we like we love to work with consultants because it's a consultants who can ask those questions in the best way possible to the to the people that, that matter. And we can define what groups those those questions should be 
directed towards. Also, the, the coefficient platform spends a lot of time um, asking what your perception is of the company, not not how the com- not how the world's affecting you, which is often like how an engagement platform works. Mm-hmm. So there, there's some subtle differences there. Um, you know, there's there's lots and lots of um, survey companies out there, and some are doing a great job. Um, and um, I'm sure some aren't. I like to think we're doing things slightly differently. Um, but remember, we've been we've been collecting data as a sort of society. We've been collecting good data, uh, better and better data for for years, for like twenty years. And some of the issues we're seeing don't seem to be improving. So it's not just data it's data followed up with actions and mindset and a different way of thinking um you, you mentioned earlier that businesses used to be sort of termed machines well look, mm-hmm. we've got a series of cogs we just need to put a cog in there and put a cog in there and put a cog in there and 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 that's how they were visualized i think that's shifting i really do want to see that's shifting and certainly with the younger generation um Kids these days, teenagers, youngsters, they're much more tolerant and forgiving and welcoming of, 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 of people. I'm really seeing that they're much more aware of the planet and the harm that we're doing to it. So yeah, I'm really optimistic about the future, um, even though I know that at, currently at the moment with the cost of living and in, in inflation and interest rates and all this sort of stuff going on, it doesn't feel like we're making really great strides forward. But the youngsters that I see today who are going to be the leaders of tomorrow, I think I've got their heads screwed on really well. Um, and I'm optimistic that they are going to fix all the problems that our generation has created for them. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think there definitely is some truth in that, but you kind of glossed over something there that I kind of want to go back to, but, and, and it, it does come from my own experience a little bit. Which was, I, you know, I remember being at university and doing my master's degree and doing the dreaded stats <laughs> like module. And yeah. I remember the, I remember my lecturer stood at the front of the room and saying, you know, you can make data say whatever you want it to say. Right. Yeah. And this is what one of the things I wanted to ask you, because, of course, what you're gathering is subjective perceptions from inside of the organization so at what point does the data move from subjective to objective like I don't even know if this is a real question but what I'm trying to get at is surely the genius is unpacking the right data and then you know whatever meaning you attach to that then decides how you move into action to create potentially solutions for the problems that are arising. Yeah. Now, I'm saying lots of things here, but I'm hoping that there's a question in there somewhere. Yeah, I think but... <laughs> there is. I think there is. So, so well, me- measuring humans is really, really difficult for starters mm. because mm. we're emotional and we right. aren't always honest. Um, and, you know, we're scared of what might happen if we ever tell the truth. Right. Um, so, so that has to be done really carefully. Um so designing statements or questions in a survey is, is actually much, much harder than I ever thought it was. It could could be. You can so easily accidentally fall into a leading or loaded mm-hmm. question. So we take a lot of care designing those. We've actually got a team of um, PhD people, a university professor, and some psychologists that help us design all those questions. 
the way that we treat the data is really careful and uh, carefully done and, and quite complicated in 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 how we actually treat it but how we present it is equally as important because you have to present it in a way that makes sense mm. to people and is easy to understand and so numbers really only mean something if they're comparable to something else mm. so if i said to you oh, jane look we've, we've measured you over a set of criteria you scored 17 you're like, okay, well, what does that mean? Like, is that out of 20? Is it out of 30? Is it out of 100? So you've got to be right. clear about that. Um, but, uh, you know, if I said, well, you're 17 out of 30, um, but actually all your friends are 20 and 22, 21, 22, you'd be like, ah, okay, right. Well, now I've got a sort of a measure on where I am. So this is why we, we like to work with in these disconnects I was talking about earlier. Um, you can compare these certain groups. Like, so if someone's scoring, um accountability for example or emotional safety high what do they know that this group down here who's scoring low doesn't know like because if you've got the same information you should have arrived at the same um conclusion and i i know you've got to temper that slightly because people bring all their their own individual skeins with them right to the table um but is there a way that that this group over here can teach something to this group or vice versa uh, and, and that's a lot of it comes down to, to communication mm-hmm. um, and yes you can make data say pretty much anything you want I think um, but we well we don't do that we would never do that and um, <laughs> it, it, I don't think that's a winning strategy in the long run right and I guess it depends on the lens at which you look at the data through yeah right yeah. now what I'm so this question that's in my head isn't fully formed yet, but it's something around like, I know as a coach that the questions we ask are really important because the questions actually dictate the answers that you're going to get. But it's kind of the energy as well. It's not just the words you say, it's how you show up. And and yeah. and so your process, I can imagine, there's invisible pieces of your process. Like if, so say for example, if you were going to, you know, whoever requests that somebody fills in the questions the process feels important here as well because of things like emotional safety right because we all we all know that you know research shows that most people leave their roles in corporate life because they don't like the leader that's managing them like their manager is the one that the reason why they're leaving so if the manager said okay i need you to do this right yeah. that would be and very I, and different and i need you to score it highly and i need you to yeah, yeah. you're going to get a very different outcome than you know of course things like an you know if it's truly anonymous and things yeah. like that yeah. and i've seen mistakes in organizations where they say okay we're going to do a survey it's cultural survey it's truly anonymous but at the at the front can you just put your shift number in yeah. <laughs> it's like like yeah. you don't have to put your name or your address, right? Just shift. Well, that's an identifier, yeah. right? And there's and it was actually in this organization I'm thinking of, it was a long time ago, but it was a mistake by a, a HR assistant. But again, it undermined the entire like survey process because well, of yeah. that. And they got completely yeah. skewed results. So yeah. the lenses we look through. So from coefficients perspective. What is the lens that you help people bring to the data? Is there an intentionality, John, that you're bringing so, into this space? Well, 
we've tried to be very careful about that because we don't want to um, inflict any biases at all on anything. Right. Um, but it, it's it's very very difficult because you can accidentally mm -hmm. do it. So you know, even the way that I've been speaking, and I, I think you'd probably agree with my outlook on life and mm -hmm. businesses. But that's a bias. Yes, exactly. Um, so you know, we we do have internal sort of self-checking mechanisms. Um, the 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 colleagues that I work with are you know, you know very ethically minded. I think they're very careful with the data. They they understand how you can accidentally um, mm. lead someone to a to a bias that you maybe and if it's a good bias or a bad bias it doesn't really matter it's mm. still a bias um and we we conduct regular reviews on um our system how it's working how is how is the data informing us as we're going forwards um and we've got a you know a, i think a really great team that's just keeping tabs on that mm. but um it's it's very it's really really tricky yeah and I think just opening this conversation that we don't necessarily have any easy answers to yeah. actually gives people in organizational life, particularly the leaders in power, it gives them insights that yeah. on a day-to-day -day basis can be part of you know the habitual nature of life. Like you were saying right at the very beginning, we don't notice the beauty in a in a light bulb. We just take it for granted. And yet just opening up this conversation feels like a different conversation that we would be having in organizational life because we're realizing there are things that are hidden that so, could so, be running the so show. <laughs> that's, you, you, you struck upon it really there. It's can we surface latent insights right. that you may not have seen before? Mm. Not because we are absolutely certain they're the answers, right. but because it leads to a better conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, a little, a, a better conversation in the right place at the right time. And something is going to come out. Some change is going to come out of that because mm -hmm. it, it always, always does. But you have to start sort of like un unpicking these things. And, um, you know, sometimes we, we work with companies where there's essentially no problem and they score everything very highly. They're all aligned. Um but even that's a conversation to go, okay, look, there doesn't seem to be any potential problems here. Um, let's have a, let's have a conversation about that. How is everyone <laughs> feeling? Like, uh, you know, is this actually really true? Um, right. Right. So I've got to ask you because you're across a number of different like companies and organizations, of course, yeah. I understand client confidentiality. I'm not asking you to breach yeah. that, but yeah. what kind of trends are you seeing? Um, that's coming out from the data some of okay. the things that that are concerning to people that they need to address yeah it's a good question and this is you're not going to be surprised by any of this <laughs> um, leaders managers directors of companies score very very highly pretty much all the time um, in fact sometimes they like everything is perfect staff managers people below them are very very different they're wobbly um and you know sometimes it can be i've seen this on occasion like the the lowest score of the group of leaders in a company which there was like 15 or something 
the lowest score was higher than the highest score of the managers. It was like they're working two different companies. Uh, we see that a lot. There's usually, um, and this is quite sweeping here, but there's usually um, women feel less empowered to put their hand up and say, no, I'm not happy about something. I, I didn't feel I could go to my boss and 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 say I wasn't happy with the culture or wasn't happy, we're happy with something that happened. So a lot of that is around, um, I think, communication. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing emotional safety um, or psychological safety scores poorer. Um, the, 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 the more trapped you are in the, mid, uh, the manager level, and there seems to be a lot of pressure there from leaders from above and staff from below. Um, but, you know, there's good and there's bad. So um, I don't think that every company is like that. But the biggest trend we're seeing is that leaders and the rest of their staff think very, very differently. Mm. It's that kind of stereotypical them, like in the corporate office, and then us, the workforce, that, uh, you know, so often that kind of water cooler conversation revolves around they are doing this, they are doing that, and there's no yeah. real responsibility. And and I've seen it the other way around in corporate when they talk about, I'll just call the workforce for want of a better word, but, yeah, you yeah. know, the workforce are doing something else. So I have to ask, because in my entire career, if I could have ever cracked this problem, I think I would have made an awful lot more money. <laughs> Which is, yeah. how do we bridge those kinds of divides in, in organizational life? Particularly that one between those that have the power and those that are perceived not to have the power. Um, so I, you know, that's a really, oh God, you're asking me difficult questions. Aren't you? <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, John. <laughs> so a couple of things around that. And I don't know if this is, if, if it's going to answer your question or not, but I believe that the the more you work with people who aren't like you, the more you realize you actually have in common. Mm. And the more we can open up and have honest conversations um, about ourselves and our vulnerabilities and our past, we realize we've probably got more in common than we thought. Um, so if you look at it from the perspective of the leaders, I, I haven't met a leader yet in an organization that goes, oh, everything's shit like I don't know what I'm doing I've got imposter syndrome the company's going is spiraling out of control no no leader says that because everyone's looking to the leader like you have to if you're not projecting confidence everyone's looking around to see you've got to say everything's fantastic but if more people knew that or that's what leaders were saying (laughs) it, it that would maybe help right but so how much of life is actually fact and how much of it is confidence and that's an interesting question, um, which is a, a really difficult question to answer. So, so money, as you know, like money doesn't exist. It's it's mm. just a human construct, and fiat money. So the, the 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 dollar notes in your in your wallet or what have you. Um, the only reason that we believe that's got value is because we believe that's got value. Because when you go to the shop and spend it, the shopkeeper trusts that it's money. The whole thing is trust, right? So. Everything is, all of that is built on confidence and collective trust. The moment that goes and someone goes, actually, that's the emperor's new clothes there. It's just a piece of paper. 
the whole fiat money system collapses. But nobody would say that because everybody believes in it. So, so how much of life is just trust that things are going to be fine or, or how much of it comes down to fact? I mean, it's, it's maybe a, you asked me a tough question. That's a tough question straight back at you. But it's not yeah. really a tough question because it's like I, you need time to really think about that. And, um, but it's quite liberating as well, what you're saying, because like we started this conversation with like everything's made up. <laughs> everything's yeah. in your head that's where you started uh and and yet we've kind of come back full circle to of and it's almost like in my head now I'm going of course everything's made up we've made everything up and therefore we can make everything up differently right of course we can of course we right? can. Like, there's kind absolutely. of a release there there's a I release there we've made it that. up so and then the other thing is you were saying you know what is fact like you know um, and what is made up, I could even argue that I don't know that there's any facts. Well, there might not be. <laughs> well, there, there might, might not be. Yeah. And if there, if there aren't, then how liberating is that for us mm. to create and co-create a new shared reality yeah. in business and in life? Yeah. So it feels really liberating to me what you've just said, because it's almost now like I... I want to start to go in and I want to question the things I think are cemented into Jane and start to look at, well, okay, I've just made that up. So what could I make up that would support the life I want to lead? Which brings me to the title, right, that we've got for our conversation. Create more money, surround yourself with people you love and make the world a better place. Yes. Some people will really resonate with that and some people will look at it and think that you're an idealistic fool yep. so tell us about this title is it really possible i hope so um <laughs> me too <laughs> i think it's i think it's possible if everyone believes it just like money is right. possible like imagine Imagine you and me saying, oh, we need a, this bartering system isn't really working for us at the moment. Um, we need some converter so that I can convert what I can do and what you can do um, and we can transact easily and let's come up with money. Um, and actually, we'll just use pieces of paper and give them value. People would think you were nuts. They'd be just like, what are you talking about? That is never going to work. And what's different with that? concept as an idea to what you just asked me like is it mm -hmm. in, am i a fool for thinking we can make more money surround ourselves with people we love and make the world a better place i think that's actually really what businesses were designed for right all the wealth in the world mm -hmm. comes from business all of it it doesn't come from anywhere else mm -hmm. it's not created anywhere else um businesses thrive when they are groups of people who have got a shared purpose and a shared vision and think the same i'm saying that the group should be diverse i'm totally on board with that but they've got to like believe in what they're doing together and and we like to surround ourselves with people that are like us and believe in the same things that, that we believe in so that's a, the love part and if we do those things just by accident the world's going to going to become a better place because that's what businesses mm -hmm. are already doing mm -hmm. it's making me feel like business 
And and I I'm with you. I feel business is the biggest lever for change that we have. Yeah, yeah. But I've never thought of it in this terms before, which is almost like as you were talking, I can see businesses as like these little incubators of energy. They're like these little places where little places, not not all of them are little, but yeah. uh, where people like come together and collaborate and create something that nobody could do on their own. Right. Mm. They're coming together and creating something. So it's almost like they're the I don't know, these these little I'm calling them incubators. I can't think of another word yeah. for them. No, no, I, I, but And then they can populate the world with a different energy, but they do it from, it's not just one person, it's a collective that then can go out and spread. And I can see the vision now, John. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that, you see. It's like, do you remember that British telecom advert in the 1990s where the whole world just used to light up as it yeah. was? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I know that's a British thing, but it's like, the world of this network of lights just going round of the new business story, maybe. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, well, I don't even think it's a new business story. I think it's what businesses do do. It's just we don't right. articulate it in the right way. We we It's just a, a, a reframing of the existing story. But, I mean, I, let's you and me both wear glasses. Well, the only right. reason we've got glasses on our head, and I mean, that's a game changer, right? Being able yeah. to see is a game yeah. changer. <laughs> well, that's, um, they've been created by businesses. Yeah. The clothes that we're in uh, have been created by businesses. And that's a, you know, the experience of being inside a product can really change how you feel that day. And we're talking to each other on another product, which has been created by businesses, which is amazing. I mean, we're what, 6,000 miles apart or something. Mm -hmm. And we're talking to each other as if we're in the same room. Yeah. I mean, how incredible is the life that we find ourselves fortunate enough to be living in? Uh, yes, I, I think it's quite amazing. No, it totally is. And I love the energy and the optimism. Like, I would say, like, the hope that you're bringing, because it's very easy to go out into the world and look at the media and the way that they portray business and, the, you know, just like mainstream film, the way they show us how life is and should be yeah, yeah. can make us feel very like, oh, I'm just a cog in a huge machine here. I don't matter. But what we're talking about is everybody matters. Everybody's got the opportunity to bring a different frame as you're yeah, suggesting yeah. to life. Yeah. Could well, it really everybody... be as simple as that? <laughs> well, why not? Yeah, why not? I mean, it doesn't need to be any more complicated than that. I mean, on the one hand, the world is a very, very complicated place. Mm. On the other hand, it's really quite simple if you break it down and think about it in a conceptual way. Mm. Um, you know, be, be kind to one another. That sounds almost too simple, but actually it ripples, ripples out to other things. Um, try to surround yourself with good people that ripples out to other things. Um, there's lots and lots of very, very small baby steps that we can take, which really, really help. And do those things really lead to more money for people? Is that what you see when you've shifted? Because it it's almost like shifting the relational field of an organization or a company that you've worked with. Does that lead to more money? Because I think in that's my, the question on everybody's mind. Well, 
it, 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 I agree with you. It probably is. It shouldn't be, but it is. And um, <laughs> so in, in my experience, when I've been running businesses, when we have had a fantastic team of people in the business where, where it's, when you go to work, it feels like you're going to see your brothers and sisters. And we were very careful about curating that. Everything becomes easier. Everything. And you can't help making mistakes because we're human beings, things happen. But when you've got a fantastic team, when you make mistakes, it's nobody's fault. No problem. We're going to fix that. Clients are happier. Work gets done easier. Money just flows in. You almost forget to count it because it's just, it doesn't, it becomes something that happens in the, uh, as a byproduct in the background. Um, when you don't have a good team of people, everything becomes harder. It becomes like trying to wade through treacle. And you end up with HR issues and distrust and, you know, people get annoyed with each other and then the clients become unhappy and then unhappy clients lead to less productive work and they don't like to pay. So, um, yeah, I think it does trickle through to making money, uh, It's mm. but it takes time to build. And it's, I mean, so this is another thing that I get quite passionate about is governments and how governments work and this is an analogy to this so the the usual term of a government official is what four years five years so they've got to make something happen in four years bang it's got to be quick because if they don't they're out but that's not how life works right mm -hmm. we're talking about generational change and that happens really really slow but what politicians should be doing is they should be saying right we are going to invest all the money we've got in looking after children and so that all the children are loved and cared for by stable families and have absolutely amazing the best education we could possibly ever afford early on because if we can teach them to count really early on and learn english and be kind to each other then it, everything becomes easier from there mm -hmm. and then all of the problems that or not all but a lot of the problems we have in society today in a generation's time will will, will diminish but they don't think that long term. Yeah, and it sounds so simple when you speak it in those terms, and it, it makes perfect sense. It really does. So, yeah, when you're going into politics, then, John. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> don't know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I'm going to bring our conversation to a close. Thank you so much. I mean, I just want to ask you one final question. Yeah, you know, sure. if there's if there's something that you would like to leave our listeners with, I don't know, it might be a few words of wisdom, or it might be something that we didn't get to in the conversation that you really want to share. What might it be? Well, you've done a very good job at... Um... Um, steering this conversation so we've covered a lot thank you very much I think it would be um, just just remember like how impactful you are to all the people that you meet in life and um, you you can accidentally set someone off on a on a pathway that you didn't mean to um, kindness uh, goes a much much further than, than than you think wow such words of wisdom john thank you so much <laughs> i've you. really enjoyed our conversation today and I, and me i know our audience will i'm sure they'll feel inspired by everything that you shared so thank you thank you it's been great talking to you
Okay, guys, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Before we go, I want to remind you that all the resources and links for our guests are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. And a big thank you to the members of the Sacred Changemakers Inner Circle, who are our podcast sponsors and our extended community, who are helping us make a global impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, all visible on our website. And if you're looking for maybe a little more soul in your life and business, if you have a sense that maybe you have a calling, maybe you're here to make a bigger impact or simply connect with others on your change-making journey. If our episode resonates with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. Again, you can find out more at sacredchangemakers.com. But for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening in. Thank you for your intention and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love. <laughs>